fucking awesome. Well, the the new um, the new setup sounds good. Sounds real good. Are we taping? Right I'm now? rolling. Yeah. Are we? Cool. Do you wanna? Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready? I am so ready. <laughs> yeah, the new setup is um, I really dialed it in as far as uh, power supply. So what I did was I ended up buying a, a linear power supply that's that set, uh, black brick on the end with the red LED. Uh huh. So it's a it completely separates all the USB powered stuff on there. So the um the Raspberry Pi, the little streamer. Right. Yep. It's getting its own separate clean power supply as well as the DAC, the Shipmodius DAC. because um, it has, has two USB outputs on that power supply. So they both have their own clean power supply. Right. And uh I didn't think I thought there was snake oil when I first started this hobby. Like mm-hmm. the whole power supply thing i was just like it's just people looking for more shit to spend money on right um until i tried it and it's one of my favorite gadgets that i bought is that little really that thing on the far right it's a wiling audio it's a chinese uh linear power supply it costs like 65 bucks Hmm. and it's got three different outputs it's got two usb and then one dc output so you can run anything else out of it um yeah, well, a power source makes a huge difference. I mean, even you against know, EMI and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't know any of that stuff. Like you're used to it because you work in the field, right? Like, the live sound stuff it gets a little right. trickier balance, when you're throwing lights and everything else around. XLR pinouts and balance cables right. and stuff. You know, reducing EMI and all that stuff. I was always all you know Greek to me mm-hmm. until I got into this, and then I was like, and then I finally hooked this up, and I was like, it's because like you notice like. It's dead quiet. Yeah. Like, everything's live right now. Everything's on and the speakers are open. Yeah. Yeah. And the tubes... And it's a tube amplifier, which are known to be noisy. So, actually... And I found a ground loop isolator that I put in (laughs) behind the phono amp. Yep. Because I was getting a hum from the phono amp. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found this little... It's behind the... It's literally just like a $12 piece of Chinese equipment where it's... You have an RCA that... The RCA, it runs from, you know goes out of the phono preamp into this isolator and then into the the amplifier and it completely took away like any weird noise i was getting so like now my records are like the same way like almost as dead quiet as you could get yeah just all right everybody got that yeah this is how (laughs) we need to we'll we'll start doing video um accompaniment to go with it yeah, I was actually so, thinking about that last night. I just had a, like a little walkthrough, like I had a, a whole two bunch minute of, walkthrough. Of the, the I had a whole chain. bunch of time last night, and I was like, I'm I want to record a video where I actually just go through like this whole setup down here, and then I could go into my setup upstairs. You know what I mean? And just like show people like what you can do for right. Not a ton of money compared to say ten years ago, like what all this would cost. But it was also the tubes. So I upgraded pretty much since the last time you hear all those tubes are different. Um, <laughs> the three like preamp, it's actually five preamp tubes in the front. Right. And then the four power tubes are in the back. Um, for whatever reason, this combination just made it just magic. I have three old RCA gray glass um, tubes in the very front from the 50s. Yeah. See that? I didn't even know what they were. I looked at them and I was like, uh, they don't look healthy. Yeah, they're smoked gray glass from the 50s, and they're, like, you know, pretty much new old stock. Right. And, uh, 
you know, people are just sitting on stockpiles of these things and the prices are going up and up on them. And there's only one, only Russia, well, Russia, sure. Russia and China are the only ones making tubes anymore. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Cause it's just because the stock is depleting yeah. worldwide. Yeah. But... Nobody makes tubes cause it's an expensive process right. to make tubes for audio systems. Um, it's, it's time consuming and it's, it's not cost effective because not enough people use them to have a factory like back in the day sure in the 40s the 50s the 60s that's what was powering all the radios and the tvs yeah so yeah they had well the, and there's there's still a lot of guitar amp heads and oh things yeah like absolutely that, marshall and all that stuff i mean do that's it. all they use is tubes so like there's but yeah, still not that, a lot not a lot for uh it's a niche for you know a niche personal audio thing but uh the rcas are in the front and then i've got these actually they're chinese they're ps vein um those big bottle ones on the very end. Those are the 6SN7s. They're another type <laughs> of driver tube. And uh, they were a little bit pricey, and I got them from China. But So you really just put, you're putting combinations of different things together. I, dude, to if see you look how behind you, like if you look sound. over there and you see right. how many different types <laughs> of tubes I have in yeah. those boxes, and I have them separated by a category in each box. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of tube rolling here with that amp <laughs> to get the sound that I've gotten now, and I really don't want to fuck with it too much because right. it's so like you sat here and listened like it's, it's great, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. The sound stage, the holographic like vocals are straight on point. They seem like they're coming at you from straight ahead and like up. Right. Um, it's something that you can't really explain to people that have never sat and listened to uh, tube amplification on a high level. Right. Well, even I mean, you also have you also have some really great speakers yes. too. I mean, yeah, which I, are I a cannot... big deal for the delivery system. Absolutely. But uh, but I think also it's it's uncommon to listen on things that isn't your phone's speaker or headphones right. or at best you know like a laptop speaker. Right. Um. You know, I put that Bluetooth uh DAC into the or the the Blue it, Dento. Yeah, the yeah. Dento into. I recommend that to everybody. Just my living room setup because right now. The 5.1 speakers that I got for the for you know movie watching and video games and stuff, that's pretty much the the best um, setup I have with the amp and everything. Right. My my vinyl station is is coming along. I just want to get some better speakers. But so I put it in there just to see how it would sound with the sub and everything in the living room. And like it's it's great just to have that just to have that space sort of surrounding you where you. You're not. You don't have something directly in your ears, but you're also not listening to a tiny speaker that's bouncing off, you know, the table or the wall or whatever. Like I'm sitting in the center of the room, and you're just kind of surrounded by sound. So that that even when it when an album is as well engineered as some of the stuff that you've played down here, it's amazing to hear the scope and really hear how the like the engineers and the mixers worked to to pan things and to put them right so that they're moving around. And even when you go back and you play something older on here that might have been recorded with like one mic in the center of the room it still brings out this incredible character that you can hear yeah everything that's going on around it's like you know? hearing all your favorite music all over again yeah <laughs> so like i literally sat here and was like oh i want to listen to this oh i want to listen to this like i and like and no matter what i played it still sound really fucking good like even if it wasn't a great recording or it wasn't like you know right and this was just last night. You just last night, set everything up. I mean, How long were you listening? There's been a few instances where I've sat down here and I've been like giddy, like a schoolgirl, where like <laughs> I just sit here and I'm like, oh my god, it's so fucking good, and I just keep playing shit, 
And last night was one of those times, and I think I've like nailed the sound that I want um, because certain tubes give you different sound. Sure. And I think like these, so I got these tongue sole. These are sixty five fifties in the back. So this amplifier runs on two different types of power tubes, which is great because you can switch it in the back. So we could it'll run EL34, which is the normal, very traditional, round, warm, tuby, like uh-huh. jazzy, classic rock sounding tube that's going to give you all those mids. And then it also runs on the KT88, which is a bigger, larger form of that with okay. more bass slam, higher, you know, airier highs. Um so the KT88s, I, the ones that I've had, I had the stock ones that came with it that were okay. They were Chinese, pretty standard. And then I got some Electro Harmonics 6, um, or no, they were they were KT88s too, and they're Russian. And these were probably come from the same factory, the ones that are in there now and, and the, the, the Electro Harmonics. But I just couldn't, like, there's just something that, like, wasn't, like, because I can, this this amp sometimes excites me more of the right. way that, the because it, it's single-ended and it has a different design in the circuitry whereas that's a push pull the big guy's a push pull which gives you the ability to push more watts okay whereas the single ended you're relying more on on the tubes and there's a actually a tube rectifier which is the one that separates all the voltages between the preamps and the driver tubes okay whereas that one is a solid state rectifier you can't see it it's inside so like it runs just basically on driver tubes and preamp tubes and then the power tubes so like I'd learn all this shit. Like right. I said, like it's all I'm learning it's it all, all right. New, now. It's all new stuff. And <laughs> I just just from being on, on internet forums and Facebook pages. Yeah. Um there's tons of like really good tube um Facebook pages out there to learn all this stuff from. That's awesome. But I didn't really get it until I got these ones from this place in California called Upscale Audio where they they specifically get your tubes and they match them all. Voltage wise, Ooh, they nice. put them yeah. in a machine and they burn them in for seventy two hours before they send them out to you and to make sure that everything is locked in tight. And I, I, I almost want to say that's what the difference has been because I've been buying tubes sometimes not in matched pairs. Like right. you, usually, you want to buy them in a quad for this because it's four power tubes. And the way that they do them is they match them in a machine uh-huh. so that they're all the same voltage so everything runs the same. But this thing has an adjustable bias, so I can kind of get away with more this one does not it's automatically biases so you have to really get the tubes tuned in right but the big one it was like and then when i got those two big tubes on the end and then the ones that just came the other day the power tubes and i put everything together it was just like after about an hour or two once they burned in a little bit it was like they just like bloomed and it was just like all of a sudden it was like this instant like huge warm like a big hug of sound and i was just like <laughs> totally awesome. addicted and just sat here for like three hours yesterday just playing random shit um and it'll go in ultra linear and triode mode which means it's just different different way of sending the voltages so like if you see when i hit this button that goes right. to ultra linear which gives the sound uh if you're listening to like more electronic more modern music it's going to give it like that extra oomph in the bottom and the top end, but it's going to kind of take a little bit of the mids out. Got it. Whereas the, the triode mode is that traditional, like, tubey. They give you the warm, all the mid, warm mids All the back. mids, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, that's pretty... I mean, that's awesome. You'll have to, when we when we post the, the episode up, if you feel like you'll have to drop some links in the comments just so people can 
find exactly the you know like maybe like your favorite tube forum favorite tube yeah. location because it, do, it yeah. does actually make a big deal with electronics to buy stuff in pairs or in in runs when they're like in the same production run mm-hmm. microphones a lot of the time like i bought even the microphones that we're using i bought them a couple of years apart and there's a very distinct difference when i record my voice with both these mics at the same time you I can hear it. Of that and you um they had they sell matched pairs of microphones a lot of times for recording drums and pianos and things hmm. like that and they're a little more expensive because they you know it, it 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 doesn't seem like it should matter because it's still being kind of produced on a no i get it now factory setting but because of how different it can be when you start sending voltage through stuff it it can color the sound just enough that you know if you're recording a a grammy nominated album sure you're not gonna <laughs> no you're not you're gonna, gonna chintz out on your yeah, microphones right. yeah so but it's good yeah man i mean listening you know um it's certainly it's certainly not necessarily for everybody you know depending on how they listen to music but for somebody who who appreciates it and and even even just you know to 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 re-listen to your favorite album it's it's almost like uh it's almost like night and day Mm -hmm. to put it through a really good system that's well balanced and you 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 pick up stuff that you don't get when you're sitting in the car or when oh, you're no. listening on the headphones. No. I mean, headphones are the, the closest approximation because it, it kind of puts all the sound right there. But mm-hmm. in order to make sure you're hearing stuff and you're not destroying your, your, your eardrums, the, the headphones have to have like a brick wall limitation too, just for safety. Right. So there's always going to be that little bit of compression that keeps it from being what it, what it was in the studio when they were recording it, which, you know, if it's a million dollar studio, they got they got the equipment. And what's but, interesting is that if you so like you notice on that amp, there's no tone controls. Right. There's no yeah. bass, there's no treble. Because if you're doing shit right, like if you have everything locked in, you don't need bass or treble. And that's right. I mean, that's an audiophile purist, you know snob thing that i didn't really understand i was like because i like messing with bass trouble it's like one of my right you know because certain songs they just need a little but i found that with this setup where it's at now there's no fucking need for bass or treble adjustment because you're hearing it the way the artists wanted it to be heard right and you don't miss it like it's not like you've sat here like you're not thinking oh that bass is a little weak or you know it needs a little bit more highs or something you know what i mean and that's kind of like the the theory behind. Um, that's why like graphic you know equalizers and stuff like that are completely frowned upon. Like once you get into like hi fi stuff, right? Yeah, um, it's like it's like um, it's cheating. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, I'm sure even if it's like a personal preference, like no, I just really like I really like when there's more bass in it. Yeah, it's probably which still I like, get. Nah. Like I don't care. Like <laughs> I, and I've sat here with I have equalizers on my desktop for headphone amplifiers and stuff. Where, right. And there's bass boost on one of my headphone amplifiers, and it's fun. Like it's like, it's a fun way to like distort the sound and make if you want something, you know, that's how you like it. Yeah, balancing the car is is my um that's my guilty pleasure with EQ. Right. Like if I get in somebody's car and they'll let. Oh, me, I do it too. I'm just like shifting stuff. I'm front like, what to are back. you doing? I get in as soon as I hear it. I'm like, what is? What's? Can I look at something real quick? Do you mind if I change? Every this? time I get in my wife's car or I get in my mother in law's car, I'm like. <laughs> It sounds like I'm in a fucking tin can in here. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, how are you listening to music without wanting to blow your brains oh, out in here? Oh, good. I'm in good company. Oh, man. yeah. That's great. My BMW actually has an entire fucking equalizer band built into the 
It's one of the greatest <laughs> head units ever made. Like it's a Harman Kardon Logic Seven, and they stopped making them. Like that, my car was the last year to have them like okay. stock, and uh, I still say it's the best sounding speaker. Like I, I don't even, I don't need anything else. I don't need to upgrade the speakers. The car's fourteen years old now, and right? I still think it sounds fantastic. <laughs> Like nothing has failed. There's no like none of the speakers sound like shit. And then you have an equalizer in the car that you could totally tweak it. It's like a, I right. think it's a ten band equalizer. Oh, Jesus, in the head unit, it's insane. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, cars. Car is definitely where I, um, I would say still listen to to most of my music. I'm, I'm playing a lot more stuff at home now. Now that we've you know started chatting and started listening, like there's just there's just more opportunities. Like where I rather where I used to maybe like put a podcast on or I'll catch up on some John Oliver YouTube videos or something. Right. I'm I'm more going. Oh wait, what was that last thing that Sean recommended or what was that song that I said I was going to look up the album for because I really like that song. So it's good that I I'll have more and more places to kind of listen. But the car is always going to be the place where I you know especially because you know it was once I had my license and you're driving friends around like I was making mixtapes all the time and I was making you know we were always wanting people to hear the new stuff that I had discovered or a couple of songs that maybe I pulled off an album that people weren't listening to the b-sides or the rarer songs um so yeah car is car is always but i've i've parked my car i've got i've gotten home and parked the car so that i could listen to the last you know four Hell songs of yeah. an album in the driveway because I could, I who have doesn't to do that i think people that don't do that have problems <laughs> yeah or if it were when somebody turns the car off and you're like we're like yeah, you're 30 like, seconds from the end right of the song <laughs> stop yeah mm. yeah i totally relate to that yeah, that was, but that was also me too because because I think being in the car was also like that freedom thing. Sure, we were. Uh, so it was, it was, it became the place to listen to it. But then also when I needed to like get out or get away, mm-hmm. it was also, you know, yeah. Driving can be therapeutic if you have the right soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I love driving. I've always liked driving, and when I when I anytime I've had to do long. Long runs, or or you know, just couldn't couldn't make it through. It's always music that kind of pushes you the rest of the way. That's where I listen to a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that that you know brings you back to. It would like recharge me. Yeah. So we were we were talking about about going into to like break up albums and break up songs and stuff, and driving driving around in the car, listening to an album that was speaking to you. Was how I I made it through any of those like rough breakups. It was always oh, yeah. it was driving always in the car, in the car by car yourself, drive. crying, like listening to music, <laughs> yes. like a little girl. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and like those albums, and it's a lot of it's time dependent, right? So like where you were in your life at that time, sure, will oh, yeah. take, totally take you back to. It's like a relationship chronological ordering the you know system where it's like in your brain when you hear a certain song or a certain album Mm -hmm. it'll take you right back to that particular relationship or time in your life yeah and like i mean viscerally take you back where you're like holy shit especially if you're like by yourself oh yeah and you hear like that and you're in the car and it's like because it's one of the few times where we're really by ourselves yeah and it's like there's no other there's no audience like you can just let it rip you know right 
Um, yeah, when I um, it's gonna be a ways off, but uh, uh, that even happens to me when I think about like my when I first started um, really getting into music and you know relationships at the at the same time. Some of those songs, even from like early, like I have a crush on, I have a crush on somebody, but they don't like me, and I'm like, I'm so sad because they don't like me. Right. There's even songs like that that I'll think about how how strongly I felt, dude. I can't listen to the love theme from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves huh? by Brian Adams without <laughs> thinking about you know Angela turning me down in fifth grade or whatever. It's like it goes See, that when far I, back. When I think of that album, <laughs> I think of the Brian Adams song on that album, Everything I Do. Yeah, that. that That's what I meant. Is that the same song? Yes, so yeah. Like, yeah. So you have that That's experience love on that theme. song. And then that was my, like, gr- me and my girlfriend's, like, special song from that year <laughs> nice. that we used to slow dance to at all the dances. Like, that was our song. So, like, everybody has a different, like, relationship to music. Yeah. So, like, now when I hear that, I automatically think of that girlfriend from seventh grade. When mm-hmm. I hear that song, yep. Lauren McLaughlin, if you're out there, <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there, I'm taken back off. That's funny. Yeah, no, even 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 that far back, you know, that's because that's really when I first started. That's when I first started. Um, music music always meant something to me because I always liked singing, and I always, you know, even. Um, even in just chorus in school, but around that time that you start, like, you know, your body's going through changes, and you're starting to find your own sound and your own music interests and things, they just, uh, they just really solidified, um, a way to both feel like, like they were expressing the emotions that I was feeling, but also it was like a conduit for me to get my feelings out mm-hmm. was like yes thank you thank you for providing this highway of emotion for me i'm just gonna jump yeah. on yeah. <laughs> until i'm out of gas and then i'll jump off yeah but yeah i can't i'm trying to think of what my first like it's hard there's always there's always been breakup songs i'm trying to think of what my very first like breakup album would have been and most likely it was you know boys to men you know, with uh, the 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 second album with with end of the road on it oh. and all that stuff. Not oh. not the Motown Philly one, but um, end of the road, yeah. But yeah, that was probably because that's what I was listening to at the time. You know that I actually had like a like a real girlfriend for the first time. Right, like, first time you were heartbroken that you yeah. remember. Yeah, it was definitely probably like freshman year of high school, and I was rocking some Boys to Men. Right. Even though I was also listening to to like Nirvana and stuff, I wasn't as deep in the that wasn't my breakup stuff i hadn't found that kind of breakup music yet i was right. still on to the well there's the so the Brian so breakup Adams. stuff is like you can classify it into two categories so the first one would be your personal album that reminds you of heartbreak okay or albums or songs and then there's the traditional breakup albums which were written for that purpose that are universally known as that's what they are so I guess that's two ways that we can okay. break them up on that the show. Works. So it's like, what was your first, you know, what was one of your most recent personal albums? Because they, they don't even have to be breakup albums per se. True. It's just where yeah. you were at that time and how they spoke to you. In that case, it was Rust in Peace by Megadeth. 
No shit. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's pretty badass. No. I, for that's me, like taking it the other direction where you're just like, <laughs> fuck, I fuck hate you. Everything. Yeah. Um, there's some, there's some, yeah, there's some pretty dope emotional songs in some of the metal that I eventually started listening to, but I would say for me, my, my top, uh, personal breakup album is Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie. And it's also probably in my top 10 or 15, no, I'm going to say 10. Yeah. Top 10 albums since 2000. Fucking great record. Ugh. Unbelievable, and you know, Game I know, it's, I know it's a, it's a, it's a pretty common joke that you know, his songwriting sucked as soon as he, as soon as he got happy. His oh yeah, when he met uh, Zoe Deschanel, yeah. Which there's a couple good songs on that album, right? Yeah, no, I know it's, but but that is like that album's is to me is the some of the best songwriting they ever did, and and as an album from start to finish, which is you know can kind of be in its own category sometimes, but but matters to me as a. As a creator, and also as a you know self producer engineer, like when you have an album that's as good from beginning to end as Transatlanticism is, it's a big deal too. So was that like that was a personal? Yeah, that so was like a, you were that was coming a out of a relationship at that me. time in two thousand three when it came out. Yeah, I first so I first started. I was dating a I was dating a girl named Amanda, and I had just gone through. I was in I guess I was in my early twenties. I had just gone through pretty. I remember that name traumatic experience yeah well yes she would come to wawa sometimes so but it was it was a it was a relatively brief it was like eight months i think that we dated but it was intense but intense roller coaster kind of relationship and and this album first surfaced into my life shortly before i met her yeah so like through through brian i got brian turned on to them oh see it comes full circle yeah so death cab came which was the photo album which is also my good. choice. Yeah. As if I was to pick a Death Cab album for breakups, it would be the photo <laughs> album. I mean, like, I love Transatlanticism. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I just don't think I was there at that time as far as breakups. But I totally right. get you. Like yeah, I can yeah. see where that album would take you there. But yeah. for me, it was the photo album because of some of the songs and the lyrics on that and what I was going through when I first heard that in like 99, 2000. Uh, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I, I just, it, it was one of those relationships that almost from the beginning, I was like, well, I'm just going to enjoy this for as long as I can because it's definitely not going to last. Like, I could see it. You already put one foot out the door. From the beginning, I could see it. <laughs> You're already uh, shooting yourself in the foot. Oh, yeah. And it was total. It was totally self-fulfilling. Um, yeah, to a, to an yeah. extent, for sure. But it was it was also self-deprecating because it, was, it wasn't her. It was me. It was like, right. yeah, like I'm never going to hold her interest for very long. Right, and right, I'm right. not going to be right. a- enough for this to... So anyway, once, once it was... I was exposed to the album before meeting her... And then she was also a fan, so like it would come up, and we'd listen to it from time to time, and we would kind of joke about the album being, like, this is kind of like our album, but it's super depressing and sad, mm-hmm. most of it. And I just used to, I just remember, yeah, I just remember yeah. thinking to myself, like, oh man, this album's gonna be really hard to listen to when we break up. <laughs> it was like it was always when it was like when this ends, this is gonna be a lot to listen to. Yeah, but like, yep. Title and registration. I fucking love this song so much. Yep. Like, I remember just listening to this nonstop. Yeah. And while while like filling the coal box and just being like, it's just so perfect on every level. 
And now normally his voice, this like really gentle kind of high register male voice completely puts me off most of the time right with with most music especially then that i was listening to right i was into like the deftones and you know all that yes. kind of stuff um and this album just like grabbed a hold of my heart and just hung on to it oh and yeah it still does but it's oh, yeah. like i still get goosebumps listen to it right now yeah just the whole concept that is like i went in the glove box and I found like something that reminded me of you, oh, and like yeah. all I can think about is how, how I, like of all the things for me to find, I found this, like whatever it is. Yeah, you know, it's a perfect. The whole song is just a perfect amalgamation of like the end of a relationship. Yeah, and it's used in a metaphor of like the the car. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. he's searching for stuff in his car. Yeah, and, and even he, if he, he wasn't finds, thinking about it then, yeah. there's the thing that it reignites. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, what I was looking for was and that, that line about, like, that very first line, the glove compartment is inaccurately named right. because behind its doors there's nothing to keep my fingers warm. Right. Like, there's I no just, gloves in there. Uh, it's empty, it's and I'm so empty, good. and everything sucks. It's just like... Yeah, Ben Gibbard's an absolute genius. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least at this time he was. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's so, um, it's touching on something that I think is extremely common in music, which obviously is like writing about relationships. Yeah. And there's millions and millions and millions of songs out there about relationships. And some of them are just so hackneyed. And so, you know, like it's, it's very obvious when somebody's lyrics come through, and it surprises me and it like entices me and it's like that is that's not even it's when it's not an obvious you know statement well it helps i think when it's the music's big, good yeah <laughs> yeah always it helps always. when the music is good cuz you can sing sappy fucking cheesy lyrics but if the music is good you can get away with it that's that's true but if the opposite like it doesn't work yeah. so like the, the what works in this song is the the total package yeah i mean this, sonically this album is near perfect yes i i would agree and the it's like the perfect mix of like electronic and analog and just the way that they threw it all together and the layering like yeah. it, was just, it was just they were just they fucking nailed it this is definitely the peak of their career yeah and the the title track so the title track for the album transatlanticism is the seventh track on the album and it is like that's the one that if if somebody told me if somebody like told me to play a song that could that had intense power over me that could tear me down it would be that track. Yeah, that's that's almost hard and to listen to. And it's yeah, and it, the the funny thing is the reason why it's 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 kind of it's it stands aside from the relationship. Right. Like sometimes like I can listen to this album and I don't actually think about her anymore. Right. I just remember that sense of like emptiness. Exactly. I, I saw this coming. Why do I keep doing this same thing over and over? Why right. does this happen to me? Oh, you know, like those feelings that were in you know inherently swirled up in the breakup. I don't even really think about her, especially when I listen to that song, Transatlanticism, because it is such a great 
it's such a poetic way like the whole point of it is like this ocean came between us or or even just between me and like the the person that I wanted to be or the like there's so many different ways that somebody could interpret it right but the the composition itself is just heart-wrenching mm-hmm. and that sense of like the, the way he sings it he's like everybody else was really happy like everybody else was really happy when we split up or right. when this this tragic thing happened right but I'll never get over it. It will always be an, an impassable ocean between me and whatever that wow, is. That's pretty deep. So it's I like, never I never got into that. I never liked that song. Really? Because like I think when the album came out, I just wasn't in that space. Yeah. So I liked the more upbeat songs on this album, and I felt like that was one of the ones where I was like, ah, it's too slow, it's too depressing. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time I was listening to very angry, aggressive music because I was yeah. an angry, aggressive person. Yeah in 2003 which is when I got sober so it was like I just fucking hated everybody and everything and so like and I had never listened to heavy aggressive like that's when I got into Deftones right like I was never into them in high school or college like I had roommates that liked them and I was like dude that shit's I was such a hippie like I was all about just (laughs) listening to fucking you know stoner shit and like you know stuff that made me feel good I couldn't relate to angry music until I got older or in my early 20s. Right. And that's when I fell into like screamo and new metal and all that shit and like and I never liked Metallica, never liked Megadeth, never like and then I went through a period of like 3 years where that's all I fucking listened to was heavy shit. <laughs> yes. And I was doing a lot of like I just gotten into like weightlifting and working out again so like it all just kind of fit right where I was at. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? But years later, now I can listen to this album and I really appreciate those slow depressing songs yeah. for what they are they're still beautiful songs it's just it all depends on where your headspace is like you can listen to an album in five year intervals and feel completely different sure. about that album yeah. because of where you are in life you know what I mean which is the beauty of music yeah yeah I think that's why some some people myself included also um, revisit their own songs and they play them you right. know differently they play them in a new way or they they put their um, Melissa and I. When I was telling her about what we were going to talk about, Melissa started telling me about you know one of her uh, favorite Joni Mitchell songs, where there's like the original recording. Um, now I can't remember the name of the song. She's going to kill me. Um, I can find it though. Where like you listen to the original recording and like yeah, it's a breakup song and yeah, this like this is case of you. This feeling is happening. No, but that's that's on um, another one of my favorite breakup albums. Oh, yeah, blue. Um, and then you go and then you go back and you listen to um then she re-recorded the song in 2000 or something and you hear it with this extra like 30 years of life experience oh, yeah. under it oh, and you're yeah. like, "Oh god." Yeah. <laughs> and she played it for me and now I can't of course I can't remember what song it is. She's saying it right now, both sides. She's both screaming. Both sides. She's yeah. like, "Both sides." That's a great song. Yeah, so the original version of Both Sides is like intense it's a it's a breakup song you know it's rough and then then you hear it you hear her re-recorded after 30 years of life and she's like you don't know i know now what i didn't know then (laughs) and it takes on this whole new energy yeah this was another song in the album that i was definitely like on transatlanticism yeah 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 that could take you to like uh He's so good at transporting you into the characters that he writes about, mm-hmm. but yet you can still relate it to your own life, yeah. which is the beauty of like a really good songwriter, storyteller. 
and like his lyrics, especially on this album and this song in particular. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that the the, the music's fucking great. Um, yeah, well, that's and that's the cool thing too about like you were saying, even the upbeat stuff on this album has a weight to it. It's not. Yeah. It's it's not. He doesn't just use slow down and depressing to to make an impact. That's so good. Yeah. He takes you right there of like skipping school to meet your girlfriend yep. out in the woods. You know what I mean? Like it just puts you right there. Even if that never even really happened to you, you, you totally feel it. You get the sentiment. You get it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you've done something similar. Right. Yeah. 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 In the back of a gray subcompact. Fumbling to make contact. So good. Yeah. As the other slept inside. Yeah, if anybody's ever like gotten it on with a girlfriend or boyfriend in the back of a car, like you totally relate to that whole yeah. because that's all you had back then was before you had like your own place. <laughs> yep. Before you had like adult stuff, you know what I mean? Like yep. the car was where you you did everything. The yep, the, the car, car was your escape. Or the woods. Right. Which you still needed the car to get to the woods right. most of the time. Yep. And there's a whole other like genre of songs devoted to people and their cars and mm. their relationship to cars and how they fit in in music, especially in you know popular rock and roll. There's so many. I mean, we right. could literally do a yeah, playlist yeah. of just people of cars stuff. Car songs. Car yeah. songs. Yeah. So yeah, so that's probably that's probably my my most um, I would say what's most prevalent personal breakup album. It's a good one. I have a couple more that I really appreciate, and I and I think a lot of times, a lot of times, whatever I was listening to, um, could could affect me pretty strongly. You know, I dated a girl once. While I was listening to uh, Gym Class Heroes a lot, mm-hmm. and like Gym Class Heroes. Travis McCoy talks about all sorts of shit, breaking up with girls and all this stuff, you know. And a lot, but a lot of times it's fun. So there, there are still some like gym class hero songs that I'll I'll listen to, and I'll be like, oh, this was this was a song that like when I split up, this this song really spoke to me or whatever. Yeah. But but Death Cab's trans- transatlanticism. So I'm gonna piggyback oh, on that. There. Okay. And throw my hand down for the photo album. For photo so, album, which I hadn't okay. even really thought of until you mentioned Translate. Like I have, I have a bunch <laughs> of other albums queued up in my brain about nice. breakups, but uh, most of them are like traditional breakup albums. But this one, this one, and maybe U 2s Octung Baby are like very really poignant albums. Yeah, I'll go into that one. But okay, all um, right. This one, I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge U2 fan, but no, I do. That I album's do, fantastic. I, yeah, I love old U2. That album, I appreciate that album. Yes, this was the song that I basically blew Brian Shepard's mind with when I played it for him at Wow Wow, and he was like, "Who is this?" He was like, "What is this fantastic sound?" He was like, "This is the catchiest shit I've ever heard in my I can entire hear life." Him say it. Oh yeah. 
movie script ending from the photo album. Yep. I personally, this is my favorite Death Cab album. Front to back. Yeah. 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 Bar none. So the, the uh, it's so good. Damn. Uh, I want to listen to the whole album right now. So it's <laughs> it's like crack. You, yeah, just, they had, you get a little taste of it, and it, you're like, "Fuck, I got to hear this whole album." Because like, it's, it, I mean, every single fucking song is good. Mm-hmm. Like, I really can't pick out like some of their albums. I'm like, there's certain songs where I'm like, that sucks. This transatlanticism, and maybe they're from their earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the facts, and we're voting yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the way that they were raw and like somewhat unproduced, but still really well engineered at the same time, weirdly. But this album reminds me of someone I dated in the, you know, my late teens, early twenties, because my buddy actually made a, I had a friend, I had a roommate who I, who I loved and I was really close to for a short amount of time in my early twenties, Darren. And he had a group of friends that were all older than me. And we ended up moving in together after I failed out of college. Okay. And uh, we shared a lot of partying tendencies, so that's why we got along really well. Like, I looked forward to getting up in the morning and hanging out with him and listening to music and getting high, like, every day. Like, that was, like, I just, it was my favorite thing, one of my favorite times in my life, sadly to say now, but (laughs) it sounds ridiculous. But um, I remember just waking up and being so excited to come down the hall and be like, dude, let's go downstairs and smoke and listen to this new album. And he was like very similar to the way you listen to music and could appreciate certain things. And we both have very similar tastes in music and movies and politics and stuff. And uh, he had a friend, Kevin, who was, I mean, always on the very cusp of like all new shit coming out, like really on point, still is, I think, to this day. And these guys were all like four years older than me, and we all grew up in the same town, but I ended up hanging out with them as I got older. And I moved in with Darren, and Kevin made this, he would make these CDs. He would like basically burn MP3s of all this new shit he was listening to and make these fantastic playlists. And there's nothing better than like a really good like playlist yeah. from like a CD. Yeah. Like something you could physically hold and put into a player. And like you got, and you just listen to the whole thing. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and each song is perfectly placed, one after the other. And I'd never heard of Death Cab for Cutie, and it was this song. And I want to say one. I want to maybe it was uh, blacking out the friction, maybe. Uh huh. And maybe one other song, and I was like, "How have I never heard of these guys before?" And at the time, this was a new album. And I just remember listening to this. And I was like, dude, can you get me a copy of like all their stuff? And the guy sent me the photo album, my friend Kevin. And I just remember like that whole summer listening to that album. And I got into a relationship with this really hot waitress that I worked with at the, the restaurant who I thought was totally out of my league. And I totally fell head over heels for her and got really clingy. And she dumped me and I was completely crushed. And I remember listening to this album just over and over again and it so reminds me of that relationship and that time in my life uh. and then seeing these guys a few years later this is probably one of the best Death Cab songs ever made We Laugh Indoors and I saw them do it live at uh, 
the Tweeter Center when it was in- indoors in the wintertime, and it was one of the best performances ever. Me and my sister went and saw them. And they literally kicked, they took everybody off the stage and they brought out just drum kits. And they did like a, it was like a 10 minute jam band version of this song. And it was like, just blew the roof off the place. Yeah, I love when a band will take one of their songs and then just explode it live. They do that. They used to do that a lot. Yeah. The first time I ever, that was my sister's first concert was Death Cab for Cutie. I took her at the truck. No, oh Jesus, the truck. Death Cab at the truck. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh my god. Such a good show. She still talks about it to this day. She's like, that was the greatest that was the greatest concert ever. So like me and her both share a huge love affair with this album and this band. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I did yeah, this it, especially for the that two thousands man, Death Cab was like a like a breakup. I mean, just like Sinatra. Every song was just like. Yeah. <laughs> he just he just doesn't let up. Yeah. But this one was like this is probably this and we laugh indoors. That guitar riff is so perfect. And then when it comes in. Yeah. It's so good. But yeah, that, that one's definitely up there for me. Yeah. All right. Um the so I was talking about U2. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. Octung yeah, yeah. Baby. Octung Baby. Which was so this this I mean this album came out in ninety one or ninety. Mm-hmm. And it's still to this day, I think, one of the best produced albums. Um it was produced by uh <clears throat> God, Brian Eno and um another guy, another huge producer. And it was just, it was all done in Germany, in Berlin. Okay. Which is known to be a really uh, inspirational place. Like, Bowie went and lived there for years and just said that it was his most productive period in the 70s. Huh. And did, like, some of his most incredible work in Berlin. And U2 was kind of following in that direction. And they were coming out of the huge arena, um, anthem, big hair, 80s U2, where it was, like, rattle and hum and right. Joshua Tree and like they were just they were gigantic yeah, yeah. and they were so like they, you can't even compare bands now to like at the time how big they were like kind of on the level of like how big NXS was when Kick came out in, right. in the 80s it was like five number one singles on one album like yeah, that's yeah. unheard of nowadays and you know Joshua Tree and Rattle and Hum and uh, those albums that came out in the late to mid 80s defined them and then they were like let's go back to the drawing board and make something different and i felt like octung baby was to in my mind i think i think it's their best sounding album and the lyrics in some of the songs are absolutely gutting and i think 
this was the first album that I resonate with Heartbreak. Um, in I think it was like when I got my heart broken, maybe seventh or eighth grade. Ooh. And then another time in freshman year to my first serious girlfriend. And it was the same girl, of course. <laughs> we dated in seventh <laughs> and, and ninth grade. Yes. And for whatever reason, this album always made me think of her and like and that relationship. Okay. And it was like not all because I mean, there's a lot of banger songs on this album. Like I'll I'll have to give it all a listen again because Joshua Tree's the only album that I ever had, and I really only bought it when I bought it because it was popular. Right. So I listen to the songs and I know those the most, but I never got down with you two other than that because. I don't know. I always I mean, thought they were kind of pompous, you know. So I, yeah. didn't, I didn't give them the chance. Yeah. I was too elitist to sit down and listen to you two. But you listen to the sound quality okay. on this album and the production value. I mean, this is one. Everybody knows this yeah, song. Yeah. This is a famous song, but it's a great song. But it's a breakup song huh. on every level. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is where Bono came into his own as as a vocalist. Well, yeah, he was always is... kind of a screamer, and he was kind of like powerful, but he didn't turn his voice into an instrument until they did this album. Like with his range okay. on this yeah, album, yeah. he really fine tuned it and was able to. He became like a singer, not just like a fucking you know yelling frontman for an Irish punk band. These guys like this album has depth. It has, it's got everything. I think as far and a lot of people don't know about it, but at the time. It had three or four. This was one. Had at least three hits. Mm-hmm. Um, is this is Sunday Bloody Sunday on this? Or is that on no? That's else? that's War, which is one oh, of my favorite. Okay. Al- that's a that is like a hardcore. That's like a punk record. Like that album. We should just do a whole fucking YouTube podcast <laughs> because I could totally fall down a rabbit hole with YouTube because okay. like right. they get so shit on nowadays because of sure. Bono. Yeah. But like their early stuff is legit badass stuff. To be to be fair, I mostly shit on them because the guitarist calls himself the Edge, right? <laughs> but he's a fantastic guitarist, right? Well, it never seemed, very distinct. Never seemed like very edgy guitar riffs, which was the joke. But yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, as soon as you hear him, who it is, right? But this album, I felt like they got away from that. It doesn't sound like where the streets no, have no very, name. It's very, uh, it's lush muted. and well yeah. produced. But his lyrics in this album are like, if you look through the liner notes and read the lyrics to some of these songs, like he's really, really good. Yeah, I never would have known this was a breakup song because I never really listened to right. what he's saying. It's not even, probably not even written as a breakup song, but for me it was. Sure. That's how I sure. heard it. I mean, he, this is a lot of, he was married. He's been married to the same woman for 40 years. Right. Um, but a lot of these are relationship songs. I do like the way his voice sounds here. Yeah, his voice gets so much better on this album. It's yeah. it's, it's so clear. Oh, tongue baby. Now that's that's the well known one. Everybody sure. knows, everybody knows that one. Sure, sure. But there's so many other like really just fucking depressing but beautiful songs <laughs> on this album that are so well done. Larry Mullen Jr.'s drumming on this album is unbelievable. So crisp. This is so cruel. This 
I think that this was their last, like, truly great album. I really like Zuropa, which came after this, which a lot of people hate, but it's not on the same level. As they all of the all of the titles sound really familiar. So, you know, I mean, because they famous. Yeah. This is where you really hear his voice. Very slick. I mean, like, yeah. this album was just, I mean, top level production and engineering. And literally every, there's not one, I really can't pick one bad song in this whole album. It's got fast songs, it's got slow songs, it's got in between. Well, it's good. I mean, that that turning point for a band when they, either, whether they change their sound or they find what would become like their sound based on all the influences they've had before can really make or break their entire career he's got a nice bass line going oh my god Adam Clayton they use their real full name so I have no idea who it is any band member of you too that uses their full real name, I've yeah, no Ad- idea who Adam they are. Clayton's a cool cat man. Like he's like yeah. he was the guy in the band that like they were like if anybody was a rock star, it was Adam Clayton because of the way he dressed and acted. Okay. Like he was just so cool. But like Larry Mullen Jr. is super cool too. The guy like literally hasn't aged in forty years. Like yeah, their it's drummer, really, it's really solid drumming. Yeah, the whole band is just ridiculous. But I think this is the album where. I think they reached their creative slash, I don't know, engineering peak. Mm-hmm. Um, because just all the way through, it's ridiculously well done. And easily, I think it's his best songwriting, like as far as lyrics and stuff. But yeah, I remember just sitting and fucking just crying listening to that album. And there's one song on the very end called Love is Blindness where it's like... I, I still don't. I can't even put it on right now because it's too much. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that. I'm like that a lot with some of Tori Amos's music. Yeah, because she was also huge in my time of, um, you know, relationship discovery and and stumbling navigation. Right. So I, I I'm not necessarily any specific album, but um, but yeah, there's there's songs of hers that will just gut you yeah yeah oh yeah yeah. Tori Amos and you know there's there's stuff from her own trauma and then there's stuff from relationships and even some of her songs that are like really playful um there's just like they're uh, still dark yeah there's a darkness to it it's it's kind of haunting all her music has got that dark tinge to it um I'm trying to see what let me take a look. Oh, she looks so different now. She used to be so hot. She, I don't know. I guess it's plastic surgery or something. Really? I don't know. She just she doesn't look good. It's just her face looks so different, and it looks different in a way that's like, did you? Well, she had a different look to begin with. She did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, winter 
from Little Earthquakes oh, yeah. is one. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, Hey Jupiter from Boys for Pele. Oh, my God. That's a really underrated album. Hey, yeah, Boys Boys for Pele. She's got so many good albums, but that's one that's that those one's probably two. my favorite. Those yeah. two. Little Earthquakes yeah. and Boys for yeah. Pele. You don't get any better than those two. Because Boys for Pele, even just the, the album cover, right. where she's sitting on the porch barefoot with mud on her legs holding a shotgun, just yeah. sitting on the porch. And she's, she's literally badass. like, she's such a badass. we're going to take the men and we're going to throw them in a volcano. That's what we're going to do. That's what this album is about. Get ready. Yeah. And like from beginning to end, it kills. But Hey Jupiter, I used to, because I, I also had a, a like a regular girlfriend in high school that we dated and broke up three times, you know? Yeah. Um, she, I actually wound up being with her for a total of about seven years, six, six years, right. like into after high school, like we're going to get married. I proposed to her, all that stuff. Like it was crazy. Um, ended really badly, but this fucking song was like my breakup song for her. And there's moments in the song where you hear her pursing her lips, you hear her taking a breath. Oh yeah, she's it's really good. like you can just feel she's just there the whole time. One of my favorite voices of all, of all time. Absolutely. She's and also a genius in the, in the whoever she hires to do her her albums. Mm-hmm. I mean, like just immaculate sounding albums. Yeah, like, everything's perfect. Yeah, this album is incredibly well recorded. Um, From the Choir Girl Hotel is one of the like biggest and boldest albums of hers that has um, amazing sound in it. But she plays one of the best pianos. This is I've ever heard. She has like this thing where she licks her lips right in the middle of that line, and every time I hear it, it's like fucking Niagara Falls. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's amazing what this song does oh yeah i can totally see how this would just gut you yeah you got me beat easy (laughs) this is brutal and it's not even it's not even to the the part that gives me tingles yet it's not even there yet she's a classically trained piano prodigy yeah yeah so like her piano playing is so perfect and, and beautiful like it's ridiculous so this this here, what she does with her voice is where it gets me. Ugh. Like she's crying while she's singing. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it that's how she performs too. Like she's oh yeah. She's an absolute beast. Watching performer. her was incredible. We, uh, I saw her at the tower. My friend had four tickets. So she lovely. got she got a limo to take us there. Like oh. she was loaded though. But so we went, and I was like so happy to be able to go and see her because it's also the only time that I ever got to see Tori Amos. And we were in the tower, in the mezzanine. But you know how like in the tower, it's not like super high. It's not super far no, it's away. Perfect. Everything's perfect. Right up in the front section of mm-hmm. the mezzanine. Mm-hmm. So her and her boyfriend were sitting in front of me and her best friend. So, but so they're the only two people in front of me, and they were both like little short, tiny hobbits, which is great too. Right, right. So I'm just looking straight down onto the stage, and all it was was her and the and the piano for the whole thing. Right. There was um, there were two songs 
that the a guy came out with the guitar and they played guitar and piano together for a couple of her songs, but it was mostly just her playing the piano. Mm-hmm. That's it, the whole thing. And she rides the fucking piano yeah. bench yeah. like a horse. She's so sexy. And she's slamming the keys and she's yep. all over. And it's just like, it was amazing to watch her. She looked like she was on drugs and I guarantee oh, yeah. she was stone sober. Nope. Yep. It was all the music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that kind yeah, of it's 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 fascinating to me. People that don't even know like the genius of Tori Amos or yeah. like how good she is. Like, there's a whole generation of kids right now that have no idea who she is, and I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. a travesty. Yes, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of her songs that I would use as sound check songs in um, in the theater when I was doing sounds because once you have the system set up, you know, you get the whole room to yourself. You get a I have a feeling giant I'm, I'm going to be listening to this album later on tonight by myself, nice. crying in the dark. Oh man. It's so good. Yeah. Blood Roses. Even just Blood like roses. the sound of the harpsichord oh. on Blood Roses. <sighs> I forgot about this album. I'm so hyper-focused on Little Earthquakes all the time. Right. For good reason. Yeah. But yeah, this um, yeah, this was the one that I was just like, I can't I can't go on. This this song... Under the Pink is really good, too. Under the Pink is really good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Crucify and... Um, uh, the, w- little, the waitress, waitress on Little Earthquakes. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, that whoops. was the song that put her on the map. You're right. Cornflake Girl is is oh. under the pink single. Mm, so good. But yeah, waitress was one. Of, it was was the song that made me like her because you know this this mutual friend or this friend of mine who really was into Tori Amos. She she liked her and I was like yeah no she's very talented and the first time I ever heard waitress on under the pink I was like oh, okay I dig her. Because the whole song is like, I'm, I'm going to kill this waitress. Oh, I forgot how good this song is. Ah. So well produced. Yeah. Just caught a light sneeze. Caught a light uh. sneeze, dude. Oh. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing this for the first time back in the day and be like, this is so good. Yeah. Because <laughs> this got radio play. Uh-huh. Like her vocals are so breathy. Ugh. Yeah, good stuff. Fuck you, Toriyama. Icicle is so on Under the Pink. Icicle is a whole song about her masturbating oh, in, yeah, in her bedroom. Yeah, she, she's while such everyone's a savage. Yeah. She does not care. Like, she's so ahead of her time. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, no, yeah. no women were singing about that kind of shit. 25 30 years ago yeah and she was just like fuck it i'm i'm singing about rape i'm singing about yeah masturbation i'm singing about uh religious hang-ups yep. like you name it so I mean, she talked about her it, yeah, suicidal and sang about it feelings like so, there's parts of little earthquakes where you're like it's almost uncomfortable where you're like holy fuck yeah the um the yeah I I would have to say just to to put a button on hey jupiter and boys for pele for me um, hey Jupiter is one of the first songs that I think I ever, I ever g- genuinely like experienced a deep, deep sadness. Like mm. whether or not it was, whether or not it was, you know, shallow because it was just a high school relationship and I didn't know what it, it was still. It's a death. It was still huge. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. It was still huge to me. And I remember just. Uh, the, probably one of the, my first vivid memories as a as a teenager of just uncontrollable t- sorrow. Right. With that song. Sure. No, I totally but, feel that. But yeah, you're I you're 
I am jealous that you will sit here probably and listen to Boys for Pele on this system today. In the dark, crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's good. She was good. Um, you know, Ani, Ani DeFranco has some good breakup songs, but I think yeah. she always has such a such a smart humor to it. Mm. that um, Some of her early stuff is deep, dark mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, she was sexually assaulted, too, and she has a lot of that stuff on a lot of her early albums. Mm-hmm. And she's got, like, mother stuff because she really struggled with her mom and her parents growing up because she, like, left home early. Yeah. And there's a lot yeah, of that. she's, like, fucking 50. Yeah, there's something. a lot of... I mean, she lived a lot of life yeah. from an early age. Like, her story's incredible. And uh, so some of her early stuff, yeah, I could totally get it. But I don't relate it to, like... Mm-hmm. I relate it's, some of To the Teeth to a, to a relationship only because sure. I was involved with somebody at that time when that album came out. And I remember yeah, yeah. us driving in the car listening to that on her CD player in her car. Well, Dilate, I've mentioned that Dilate's like one of my favorite albums. That, to me, that whole album feels like a breakup album because the first song is Untouchable Face. Ugh, fuck you and your Untouchable Face. is... I, I stand and, corrected. That's one of the best <laughs> breakup songs ever. Yeah. But and and dilate is you know I like I see you and I dilate like the the title track for that song is also all about like how even just seeing you changes my physiology. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. looking at you makes me feel like I'm not me. You know, there's so there's that that album's got a lot of you know Adam and Eve. I think that's. No, Gravel's not on Dilate, is it? Or is it? I think Gravel's on Dilate. I think it is. Oh, so, like, another one. I heard the sound of your bike. Yeah. Wheels at the gravel. Like, God damn. Yeah, Gravel. She's fucking killing it. Yeah. <laughs> but. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I ever. With Ani, it was different. It was never a personal thing. It was always just, like, I could appreciate like I, I, it was. I always felt like with Ani, it was like, "Yep, I see you." Yep. Like we're yep, right. I'm right here. with I feel you, you but but it was you know. it was not the same sort of personal impact because of where you were at the time. Yeah, I guess so. I guess when so. you heard when you first heard that song or that album, that's when it makes the most impression. Yeah. So like, yeah, if yeah. you're in a weird, a good place and you hear something, you're gonna have totally different recollection yeah. or feeling with that album than you would if you heard first heard it when you were fucked up. You right. Know what I mean, because I definitely. Um, my my high school girlfriend is the one that introduced me to Ani. Right. So like she's the one that was like this this is this is everything. This it's funny. This song reminds me of a female roommate that I had. So I lived with a girl in that same apartment that I was talking about with my other buddy. Uh-huh. And it was just like flop house, it was just a party house and she was a flight she was a flight attendant and she worked with me at Bennigan's. Okay. And I think she kind of had a crush on me and I didn't really feel the same for her and we ended up of course we ended up sleeping together like one yeah. night when we got drunk like you do. And it got weird after that. And she ended up moving out like very, not like long after. Did. Didn't get really weird for me, but I think it got really weird for her. Right. And Anyway, she was super awesome, uh, Mindy. Her, I can her name see was. that. And she was face. super chill. One of those girls that just hang out with everybody. Like she was just awesome. And we were really good friends. And we fucked it up. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, but she, I had bought to the teeth, and that was my first real exposure to Ani. So I had to go backwards. So okay. like to the yeah, teeth yeah. came out way after a lot of her good stuff. Mm-hmm. And this song reminds me of 
my roommate Mindy because she played this song for me for the first time because she had um, Dilate and Living in Clip and Pl- Little Plastic Castle. Little she had the CDs and she would play. And I'm, Little Plastic Castle totally reminds me of of her in that mm. time of my life, but it was all fun. You know, it was all good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But this song is just so perfect. It's really simple too. Like super simple. There's nothing to this song. Super except simple. Some backing vocals. Some, some yep. like that little like um, bass and and like dulcimer kind of sound. Yeah. And the drums just like kind of just, just keeping like a, a little, keeping a roll. Little. That's it. Like ugh. Yeah. What are they called? Which? The uh, the what they're using on the drums. Oh, the the brushes, brushes, the metal brushes. Yeah, love that sound. It's kind of like a loungy. Jazz, yeah. yeah. See nothing. Is fuck you. Your untouchable face. I have to turn this off when the kids are in the car. Because <laughs> my my daughter would be like, "This is such a pretty song," and then all of a sudden I was like, "Click." <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Or I'll, or I'll let it play, like when everybody's in the car thing and nobody's really listening. And then like Crystal would be like, you know you have to change this, right? <laughs> and I'll try to see if like nobody is like paying attention because sometimes right. they don't, kids just kind of block shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Crystal turned to me and was like, you, you can't leave this. She's like, I love this song, but you, you got to change it. So I guess we could, are we back on? Yeah, we're I, rolling. I guess we could move into um, traditional oh, yeah. breakup some, albums. Some- um, like one that jumps off for the top of the top of my head would be uh and it also happens to be one of my favorite albums of all time is Sea Change by Beck. Oh. Okay. Are you familiar with this album? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I mean literally every single song. And this was like the album like Beck was so known for party fun like definitely not acoustic. Uh, mostly electronic dance music, you know right? I mean? um, brought us, brought us "Loser," and you know, "Mutations," and all these like crazy fun albums. And then he comes out with this album in 2002, which won like every award. And I own it on vinyl, and it's easily one of the best sounding vinyl albums I own in my entire collection. Huh? Um, because he's one of those artists that records everything analog as well as digital and presses all his albums in you know thick 180 gram vinyl but start to finish it's hard to hard to beat this album it's definitely probably in the top 10 albums of the last 20 years breakup or not breakup album but it's definitely about uh, the dissolution of his I think his first marriage okay I could be wrong. It's definitely something happened where he... I don't know if it was separation from his wife or his girlfriend. But I never realized until this album that he has a really, really good singing voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's always really kind of like... Yeah, but he has a great voice. His dad was a music 
producer. So that's how he became. That's why his albums sound the way they do. He grew up literally in studios. Yeah, and he is. I don't necessarily want to say he's underrated because I think there's there's a, a following for people that really appreciate him for who he is beyond loser and soul sucking jerk. Um, Guys our age <laughs> get it, but he's incredibly talented songwriter. So he wrote the music for Scott Pilgrim versus the World, right? For the for the band, their their uh, Sex Bomb, their trio band, and when when he got the call from the director. He sent, like, over, like, in the next day or by the end of that weekend, he had sent him a demo tape, basically, with 30 songs on it. Right. It was just him and the acoustic, like, this is going to be that punk song. And because he just, it just caves, flows out of him. Right. You know, they're like, the band is supposed to be cool, but not really that talented. Like, good music, but not really talented. And he just, like, throws it out there. But then he... You know, he does stuff like this. Odelay is still like Odelay is a great album. Yep. I mean, Odelay is usually everybody's favorite pick. But yeah, I think the funny thing about Sea Change is I I know it, but I've never listened to it for what it is, start to finish. Yeah, because it's never really been. It wasn't why I listened to Beck. You know what I mean? Like, like the Beck Odalay is like the Beck that I like listening to. Like, it's like smart party music, you know, in a way. Um, or it's like trashy, grungy, like like purposefully messy um, um, party music in a way. You've done yourself an incredible disservice, right? I'm just yeah. gonna tell you that right yeah. now. Yeah, to, to not have album, listened to this for what it is. Yeah. I think you're absolutely gonna. Why don't I just let you borrow it? <laughs> <laughs> and you can play it on your system. That sounds like a plan. Devote some time to it. Because it's not an album we can sit here and like get into. It's just so deep and dark and wide and beautiful. That's what I was that's what I was looking at. And it, and its sister album Morning Phase from 6 years ago, that just as good. I I do have that one as well. Just as good. Yeah. It not I mean just a, a hair not as it's not as dark as this album is. This album is like, I mean, quintessential oh, dude, breakup this is... album. This is it. Morning Phase is like the sister album of like the next day after like Nigel Goodrich is his producer. Yeah, I didn't realize right. that. It's like Radiohead's yeah. producer. Yeah, okay. that's why all his stuff sounds phenomenal. <laughs> well, but not, he also has producer, a big. He has a big hand in for it. this album. Yeah. No, this album is absolutely sonically perfect. This is 2002? Yep. I, yeah, I definitely did not listen to this when it first came out. Oh, I, I absorbed it. It was all I listened to for like two months. So it says, Beck and his fiance Lee Lee Lemon, Lee Lyman, mm-hmm. ended their nine-year relationship right. three weeks before Beck's 30th birthday. She He discovered she had been having an affair right. with a member of Whiskey Biscuit. Oh, that's rough. Oof. Oh, so yeah, so good, Paper Tiger. So it was during this time that he wrote the bleak acoustic bass tracks on Sea Change. Yeah, wrote most of the album's twelve songs in one week, but shelved them. Yeah, just had a huge output of just pain and just threw it all together. It's one of the best shit. Happens. So most of the songs that he wrote during this time aren't even on this album. Yeah, that's wild. He's an animal. 
but his voice on this album is totally different than any other yeah, album. This is gonna be this is gonna be my dive tonight. Will be to be to listen to this start to finish with the orchestral production and like just the way he throws everything together. Oh, it's so good. This is this is a nice little um, two degrees of separation thing. I'm just on Wikipedia checking out stuff about the record. It says, by the end of the production, the group of musicians had to work faster than they intended. Beck says, we kind of ran out of time. Joni Mitchell was coming in to do her record, but she works very civilized and takes the weekend off. So we were sneaking in on the weekends trying to finish the record. <laughs> That's awesome. I never That's knew that. That's great. Yeah, I think um, um, the... Uh, uh, what is it? I guess I'm doing fine. Oh yeah, that's one that oh. I I know from this really well. And, so uh, heartbreaking. It's all in your mind. Also, yep. yep. But I even these like lush this, this little like yeah. bass. There's yeah. like bass fills yeah. that are so, it's so good. lush and just like full of sound. Because well, he he takes his expertise at like electronic music yeah. and everything else and just throws it together into this like so good distorts his voice mm-hmm. little phaser action going on yeah that bass line is ridiculous well the thing that I will always like about Beck is that he really doesn't sound like anything else out no, there. No. Like he and he's never he's never tried to sound nope. like anything else. Nope. It's always just been you at least I you know not knowing him personally. I believe it's just like this is what it sounds like in my head. Yep. And thank God that my dad was an engineer and yeah. I'm sur- you know like yep. thank God that I learned how to make it because that's really what it is. It is makes it just, me forgive him for being a, a lifetime Scientologist. No. Yeah. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Famous. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know these things. Yeah. That's rough. He's recently, in later years, he's kind of denounced it a little bit, but he okay. grew up as his whole family. They were Scientologists. Wow. He's so before deep, it was so cool. entrenched. He's, he's like a he's hipster such an LA, He's such an LA kid. Yeah. Like that whole California Scientology thing. Like that's that's his family. Okay. You know? That's funny. he was born into it, so I give him a pass. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He's but he's a weird dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He's he's just had this since his since the first album. His first album is a beautiful mesh of of hip hop. Mellow Gold. Yeah, yeah. Mellow Gold is is just like a blend of hip hop and trashy garage punk. Yeah, it was so different, and it's great. Odalay is a masterpiece, definitely, and <clears throat> this album. Yeah, morning, God, morning phase. That's see, got we're gonna get, we're gonna go on off it. onto a Beck tangent, <laughs> and it's gonna <laughs> just of a take over okay. the whole rest of the show because <laughs> we could ser- we could do a whole podcast on Beck. Like we probably e- could easily. Well, then let me let me touch on a, another classic from around the same era because I'm thinking of one that's like a like a classic rock album, but um, Jagged Little Pill, Alanis Morissette. Oh. Oh, you're hurting my brain. <laughs> what? I fucking hate Alanis Morissette. <gasps> really? Oh, I hate her. Oh no. Oh, I hate her. Oh man. She. So when she first came out, I had no interest in her at all. I really, truly thought that she was a studio manufactured. Yeah. BS. No. no, she's she's got talent. I'm not. Yeah, saying yeah. That. It's just that album. 
totally it, it got so smashed down my throat yes i mean every song it just makes me want to blow my brains out because it's all you heard on the radio well as i say it's, it's like, another one of those albums where there were five number one singles yeah, just, it was huge off of it was it. so huge um and so so for very similar reasons i had no interest didn't right. care didn't want to hear about it it's definitely a breakup album yeah. the acoustic version where she re- she went back and she recorded an acoustic version of the album that I think was released for like a 10-year or 20-year deluxe version where they re-released Jagged Little Pill. And then they did Jagged Little Pill You're acoustic. You're going to make me find it, aren't you? I am. And she toured with the acoustic album. You don't even have to listen to it now, but I definitely think it's something, the acoustic Jagged Little Pill, you should listen to. Because then also I learned that like she was writing, she's writing her own songs like was that. This, was this like the live unplugged thing or? Um, I don't, I don't know if it was or not. Maybe it was, but I all I know is there's a I have a deluxe version of Jagged Little Pill where it's basically the whole album acoustic is the second disc. So Spotify has a landmark edition. Maybe that's it. Of Jagged Little Pill. There's a collector's edition. That might be it. Of a remaster. But but what it did is it gave me a huge amount of respect for her oh, songwriting. Okay. Her songwriting and her voice, too, I really came to love from listening to her do these songs acoustic. I just feel that album is so slick and overproduced. It is. It is. This is good. I like her, this. her control she of has her voice, voice is amazing. No, I've never denied that. It's very just, reminiscent it's of Ani DeFranco. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, this is just so stripped down. This is good. Yeah. Knowing that most of the songs on this album are about break a breakup. Oh, it's such an angry album. Yeah. I felt like it had to be. It had to be uh, noted. Yeah. But yeah, I really, I never liked her. I was in my late 20s before I heard this and was like, oh shit, I guess right? I should go back and right? listen to it. It's like a fucking anthem album for like, fuck you men for breaking our hearts and whatever. And it was it was a sure. super girl power album from yes. the 90s. Yeah, yeah. But I was also <laughs> so, so severely, you know, chauvinistic back then compared to now. Um, yeah. But I still have that bias. Sure. So like that initial like yeah, yeah. that initial trigger of like Yeah. And this like you now. Yeah. Like it just makes me want to like chop my dick off. Like it's <laughs> fucking brutal. Well and this even even this, I think there's there's layers and there's songs on this album that really stand out in their acoustic format. This is this is probably still the most produced, like produ- overproduced song on this version. Yeah, this is pretty well produced. Yeah, but it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's it. It it just, it made a difference um, with uh, uh, how I felt about this album particularly, um, and just Such in general. An interesting pick. I'm so surprised, and <laughs> I'm glad you brought it to the table. Yeah. Oh, good. Because I kind of always liked her sound, like her voice. Mm-hmm. I just and her and her lyrics were good. I just that album was just. So I got so burned out on that album. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, you ought to know. Hand in my pocket, right through you. Um, head over feet, ironic, and and that like that's five right there. So that were that were huge, huge, and yes, absolutely shoved down her throat. But I really like this song. Mm-hmm. It's it's slick, but it's really good. Yeah. 
I'm a sucker for. I'm, I'm trying to think of for any acoustic treated album. It might have even it might have even been ironic. It might have been the acoustic version of ironic that I heard that made me go, oh shit. When I when I found out that it was a whole like re-record of the whole album, uh, I had to I had to find it. But it was one of her it was one of her like singles that they re-recorded. Yeah. I forgot about this song. This is another like I don't like all that extra shit. The like bells. Yeah. I'd rather it just be her and just the, guitar. Her the guitar. Simpler is better. But I yeah. Mean, she could just rock this just mm-hmm. without anything. But it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. It uh I think it's another good example of like ten years later I went back and re recorded the songs with uh, ten years more experience of life. <laughs> but yeah. It's definitely a different way of hearing mm-hmm. that album. It also, what it did was, it made me listen to the songs that were not the singles on the album. That are actually all pretty good. No, supposedly it's it's a solid album. Yeah. All the way but there's a reason why it sold seven billion copies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like she never had to make another album after this. Financially. Yeah. I but know. even just even hearing this. Without her overdubbed harmonies yeah. on her, like the fact that it's just her voice, um, you know, it's pretty pretty. Awesome. It's still it's not as raw as I want it to be. Yes, I would much yeah, yeah. prefer just guitars. Yeah, yeah. I would want to sit in a fucking coffee house and, and listen hear to her, her play, play these this. Songs. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because she has that kind of voice. <clears throat> Next up, 20? yeah. My choice, something? yeah, uh, would be Bob Dylan's. Blood, blood on the tracks. Oh, 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 which I also own on vinyl, and it's ridiculous. I've been listening to a lot of Bob Dylan lately, and did you know that he did a radio, a radio broadcast on Sirius for six years? <laughs> no, back in from like 2008 to 2014, it was Bob Dylan's Radio Time theme show. So for one hour, he picks a theme. And then he plays songs according to each theme, and he just like spins like a DJ. What? And it has all his little anecdotes and jokes in between each songs. It's a fucking gold mine. Wow! And they have it all on the whole archive of like I think it's like uh, I don't I forget how many seasons, but it's like seven seasons of episodes, one hour a piece. Each podcast is on. Um, if you look it up, Bob Dylan's theme time radio archive there's a website that has every season and it's literally bob dylan taking on one theme and then playing music behind it but then he like intersperses (laughs) all his little anecdotes in between them the dude is absolutely hilarious and he picks some of the best music to play okay that's a little tidbit um and dylan just put out a brand new album and it's unbelievable I've already I list, sat here and listened to it the other day. Rough, put out a new album? Yeah, this year, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Shit. All right, yeah. The dude I, hasn't lost a fucking step. That's amazing. Hold on, theme time. There it is, theme time radio hour. Two thousand six to two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Hundred and one episodes. Yeah. It's all archived online. And he's starting it up again. 
like brand new podcasts are starting up on uh that's serious. awesome yeah probably prom- promote this new album yeah i'll have to find where i can listen to it so confession time i've never really listened to a lot of bob dylan like obviously i know right. all of his famous stuff sure but it's such a wormhole yeah i've never never sat down and listened to a whole album this is brand new bob dylan that we're listening to right now that's dope the guy's 80 years old <laughs> oh god what i would give to still be able to be rocking at 80 it's so good he's so cool like there's nobody cooler yeah there is no one cooler than bob dylan or ever will be probably <laughs> in the history of mankind david bowie's dead it's true so You're right there's yeah. just bob dylan left and james dean his voice is so different now but it's still good like it's cool still him though yeah <laughs> and he's sharp as sharp as attack his lyrics are ridiculous they're even better than they were 40 years ago it all starts with Bob Dylan I mean like you need to educate yourself on fucking Bob Dylan because right I mean it's where it all starts with your sightless eye and he's still crushing it and you cross your heart and I'll hope I'll bring someone to life so that's probably I have a feeling that that should be our next podcast is just Bob is Dylan is Bob Dylan podcast oh wow okay because uh, I mean like literally I could sit and talk about him and play his music for forever especially for people that aren't that don't know like somebody like you that knows his stuff right you know, but has never it's famous done stuff, the deep but dive. he's never really like listened to some of his albums. So yeah. like, so that was and, and that I was know, his new album that just came out called uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Just so everybody knows. Um, and yeah, Blood on the Tracks I know is is like, I mean that's one of my. It's in the top I, three, I, and I know that it's one of my shame areas as a music appreciator. That if you know. If this was the high fidelity world, I would be kicked out of the store immediately <laughs> for not knowing Blood on the Tracks. So it came out in 1975. Okay. And it was right when he, I think it was his first or second marriage, broke up. So it was the marriage that had Jacob Dylan as, as his kid, the guy from the, the Wallflowers. Uh huh. Um, but I mean, dude, Tangled Up in Blue, Idiot Wind. Simple Twist of Fate, You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When I Go, Meet Me in the Morning, which is my personal favorite on this album, Shelter from the Storm, Buckets of Rain. Like, it's... Because he went through, like, a weird period in the mid-early 70s where he was, like, kind of quiet, and then he came out of the marriage, and this album came out, and it was like... I mean, everybody knows this song. Reminds me of senior week high school. All we played played a lot of Dylan. This and Hurricane, the song Hurricane. Yeah, I guess I never knew that this was a, a breakup album. Yeah. Yeah. 
Big time. Blood on the tracks. Right, right. Says it all. Could be blood on the train tracks. Could be blood on the tracks of the record. Seen both ways. They sat together in the I think it's his best cohesive record as far as um, both feeling yeah. and accessibility and vulnerability because like there's a lot of things Dylan is and a lot of times that's not it sometimes he can be really cryptic and really kind of standoffish and but this album was the one where you were like damn this dude's fucking hurting and he hadn't done that before hmm so it's kind of like you have to look at it in its context of when it was put out. But even as standalone, it's still yeah, landmark achievement of a record. And it's nothing complicated. It's a pretty simple album as far as arrangements go. But he always had the best bands, best backing musicians. Mm. It's another album that you have to sit and listen to the the vinyl, right, right, front to back <laughs> to get. It's one of those albums. But yeah. his harmonica is so on point on this whole album, and he's one of my favorite harmonica players of all time. Especially if you listen to his early stuff. I mean, that's all he did. Every song was harmonica. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. I like that he's like just barely overdriving the mic yeah. every time he goes up high like that. Because he's just belting. Plus, a lot of his lyrics are sometimes very like cryptic and you can't really... A lot of the, he just throws shit together and he's admitted that. This album is more narrative. Okay. The songs are more narrative where you can actually follow along what's going on. Sometimes you're like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> It's actually. Have you seen Walk Hard? Yeah. With his his like Dylan esque song, right? Is literally the song where he's just singing nonsense. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, because Dylan said that he used to. Just, yeah. He used to cut out things and then throw them together. And yeah. Then that was his song. Yeah, he's talking about the the toaster at the laundromat and it's. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, it's. I mean, the whole album is just a complete. But this is this is my favorite song on the album, "Meet Me in the Morning," which I never even got oh, into. I know this too until I got into this album, yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Oh my god!" It's just so cool. Meet me in the morning. I like that so far. I've known all the songs you've played. First yeah. of all, that makes me feel a little better. You don't even realize it because he's become such a part of our lexicon right that you you've heard all of his songs but you don't even realize it because they just slip into your subconscious because it's so ingrained and either somebody along the line has covered it right i mean yep yep but it's like i mean this this album just goes on like every it just never lets up I mean, a lot of people know this one too. Talk about simple. Mm-hmm. That's his whole song. Pass this way again, 
It seems like a lot of the a lot of the breakup songs that we've talked about or listened to sometimes that's what it comes down to is that just like stripped down vulnerable it's me and the instrument like maybe I'll put a little something like the hey hey Jupiter there's like next to nothing going on besides the right. piano and her voice right. and a little bit of organ and um you know transatlanticism and it's like all so a lot of lot of stuff once it's just kind of stripped down to the core. Well, the the bony bear, yeah, which we didn't even get into. Oh, is that? Which I played for you before. We should have. That should be on this podcast actually. <laughs> yeah, as another breakup album because that is a classic breakup album. <clears throat> yeah, um, I'll be I'll be listening to all of that too. Bony bears, um, for Emma forever ago, which which in my mind is one of the one of the best breakup albums or along those lines. My dad actually just learned this on guitar. He's been playing it a lot. Nice. Yeah. It's a really great song. Back into rain, back into tears. Got all the buckets coming out of my ears. Buckets and moonbeams in my hands. <laughs> oh, is there anybody cooler than Bob Dylan? <laughs> you got all the love, honey, baby. Rock and some buckets of moonbeams. Well, we might have to do a. We'll have to do a return to to breakup albums sometime in the in the future. Yeah, just to at, touch on some other stuff. Time. Yeah, we're about out. Damn, <clears throat> this was a good episode. It was. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, it's nice to. It's something that everybody can relate to too. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a couple. You know, there's a couple others. I know that um, Fleetwood Mac rumors. Like that mm. whole that whole album mm. is about it's about strife. relationships, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe not necessarily about breakups, but, but it's about messy relationships. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the core of most popular music is love and and lost love and yeah, yeah. heartbreak and and heart you know joy. So it's either one or the other. Yeah, you know everything else is kind of filler. I'll have to start. You know what I'll do? I'm gonna start keeping a notebook. And I'll start keeping uh, keeping notes so that uh, when I think of something, I was like, oh, we should have talked about that for breakups. I can write it down for right. the, the next time we right. come back to it's, it. It's a great topic. Yeah. Because we can definitely also, I mean, we could go into love songs that are not about yes. breakups. We could go in. I, I want to talk about music, movies. I mean, We've got so many things. Right. So much, so much to do. I know. I know. But yeah, man, thanks again for having me. The Absolutely. Sound Cave. Enjoy listening to everything that you're going to listen to tonight. What did you think of that the Bony Bear album that I put I I love it. I already put it on my wish list as a vinyl the one just from so 2011. I yeah. I actually yeah, yeah. just bought but it. But I want to get but I want to get for Emma also. After listening to it here on Spotify the other night, yeah. I ended up buying the original 2011 pressing nice. off of Discogs for way too much money. <laughs> Cuz you can get it you an get, undisclosed You amount. can get it on Amazon for like 17 bucks. Okay, but I've read reviews that it's not a good pressing. Okay, it's a re, it's a re, you know, reissue. Well, that's good. So to know. I went in and got a brand new, un, like, unsealed, nice. double gatefold LP from 2011 from somebody uh, on Discogs, which is what I love. So what? Thirty yeah, yeah. bucks? I don't care. I'll pay it. Whatever. Right, right. I, how many times have I listened to that album over the years for free? I owe Boney Bear that money. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Discogs is a great. Um, 
a great way to spend money, that is for sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, Amazon, <laughs> you get suckered in with the convenience and how fast it can get here. Yes. But I've learned that yeah. lesson now that, like, I've gotten so many albums that are just shitty quality pressings that I want to order it from Discogs where I know what the right. quality of the vinyl is going to be. And from, like, small mom and pop places or, like, people just selling their stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, It's a good yeah. way to keep local businesses and people going in the economy. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's great too because then you're not, you're also not feeding the machine telling people, oh no, clearly they want more of these shitty pressings because they're buying them. Right. Plus, fuck <laughs> Amazon, dude. Yeah. <you> know? <laughs> I mean, I love, I love Amazon's convenience, but it's an evil corporation. <laughs> it is, it is quite the devil. But that could be the topic of our next podcast. Yeah. That's, that's another, yeah. Devil. Nobody wants to hear about that, though, because everybody has the same shame spiral when it comes to Amazon and Walmart. They're like, I fucking hate Walmart. It's such an evil... And then they're there every week buying fucking right. cheap shit. Well, the curtains are really nice. Yeah. I can't go without completing the set. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you. We'll, um, we'll be back again soon, I'm sure, with Absolutely. another topic. At the Mellow Maniacs podcast. We're going to let Bob Dylan take us out? Sure, yeah. Let's let him go. The country music station plays soft, but there's nothing, really nothing to turn off. Just weeks and the love so inclined. This is probably my top five favorite Bob Dylan songs of all time. Visions of Johanna from Blonde on Blonde. Oh. Which if I could pick two albums to give somebody to start off with Dylan, Blood on the Tracks and Blonde on Blonde. Don't tell me you don't own fucking Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from High Fidelity. Yeah. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Blonde on Blonde is just two albums of just fucking genius. 